Welcome everyone to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. Thank you for joining us for part three of Understanding How You Love and Attachment, and welcome back, Virginia and Jane. So happy you're here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Today's quote is, as goes the family, so goes the nation. And so goes the whole world in which we lived. That's by John Paul II from the Vatican. So I think this is, this quote, I mean, you say if it rings true, which I definitely think it does. You know, Virginia, what what role does our family or even the environment in which we grew up and play into who we are today? Well, we see the fruit of secure attachment styles Mm -hmm. and the fruit of a family that reconciles conflict well. And the foundational component to understanding if and when that's, if and how that happens is the measure of comfort that we receive from that primary sphere of influence. Right. But I would say that I look at healing in terms of laws of nature, self-evident truth that appeal to our natural affections. Mm -hmm. I look at healing in very tangible, simple ways. So the most tangible thing that we can, or truth that we can all access is that the primary sphere of influence is the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience of each individual. It's the soul of a man. Right. That soul is nurtured, it's mentored, it's cultivated, right? In the soil of a home. Second, the primary sphere of influence, if you will, Mm -hmm. right? Then we have spheres of faith because eternity is set within the soul of man. That's why people don't want to die because eternity is set in the soul of man. They're meant to live forever. We don't die. We transition from states of being. And then there's the state, civil government. Yes. So those three divine institutions, I call them divine because they do not exist by the will of man. They will never, ever, ever be destroyed. So to understand how we love, we need to understand what happens in these primary spheres of influence. Why? Because that's where we get our identity. Our image is a spirit, soul, and body. We have that by design. But our identity and our purpose primarily, but specifically our identity, comes from our primary spheres of influence. Our mom our dad and our ancestors Mm -hmm. and each one of those three relationships core relationships are instrumental in helping us understand ourselves and why we do what we do right exactly Um, I always say that our stories do not begin at home they begin in the home of the home of our parents 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 and we discussed why a working understanding of this becomes really important in how we relate to ourselves and how we see ourselves and how we see others. So I just want to touch really briefly, we've mentioned them before, and there's exhaustive information on attachment on the internet, but I want to just review. The pleaser is overconnected. There's nine identified attachment styles, but for our purposes, I identify five that are comprehensive. Right. There's the pleaser, which is overconnected, avoider, underconnected, Oh, we'll do this. The avoider, mm-hmm. <laughs> underconnected, the pleaser, 
overconnected, the vacillator both overconnected and underconnected, the controller and the victim, they come from the same home and they are there's yes generally a measure of trauma associated okay. with that attachment style. Again, it can be low levels of trauma, high levels of trauma. But I do want to identify something we didn't mention, I think, in the past episodes. Go for it. And that is that a chaotic home produces children that are chaotic, that there are controllers and victims, mm-hmm. or controllers and compliant. Mm. And that child looks something like this. The controller child has episodes of being feisty. They're just feisty children, sometimes very precocious. They have no shame and no limitations. The compliant victim child tends to hide to cope and they tolerate things that are intolerable. Interesting. Yes, and I think that's very important to understand because all these homes have a measure of love and affection. Mm -hmm. And I look at Jane's home, I had the privilege of working with Jane's parents and it was one of sincerely the most significant and just it was it's been one of the most significant parts of this process for me yeah and Jane I loved working with your mom and dad they were amazing yeah my parents are wonderful they're wonderful and I see where Jane gets her courage from Mm. because very much like Jane immediately what do we do what do we have to understand what's happening how did we get here yeah you know mm-hmm. the, the themes basically yes. the relevant <laughs> themes of this podcast yeah, what were they so. yeah so the first episode really or the first part i mean we're looking at the main questions that you get asked or, or the things that right. people say which is exactly a, what her parents mentioned yeah on a daily basis i mean the first one was like how in the world did i even get here you know that that's that's something that a lot of people ask you on on a general basis like when it comes to their disease or when it comes to you know whatever circumstance that they're in that's one that you get asked a lot um the second one was i never realized that about myself you know bringing in that that self-awareness and learning that love style right and then of course the one for today is oh so that's why i do that it's bringing okay. in more her of that parents awareness. that's how the conversation with yeah. our parents went yeah how did we get here how does this happen right and just like you said, going through those three questions, mm-hmm. and they're foundational, I think, to all of us. But I respect the courage they had to put it all out there and put it on the table because right. they didn't resist the answers. So I've um, a significant part of all of our healing process is understanding the origins of why we do what we do and how we do it. And I'd like Jane to talk a little bit about that because one of the first things you said to me that I thought that's absolutely not true is Virginia, my dad is gonna be a tough one. He's never gonna come in here (laughs) and he's not, I'm telling you, this is never gonna happen. (laughs) <laughs> and he was the best part of this whole process yeah so yeah it's tell really us wild a little bit about that well I feel like I am very much like my dad in so many ways especially as I'm going through this process realizing that more and more um and uh the we learn how to love by the way that we're loved and the way that we see that growing up and uh so when we kind of got to the bottom of the issue of um you know, the awareness of the way, why that I 
love the way that I love. Virginia thought it was really important to talk with my parents as well and kind of dig into that. But I think the way that I understood the economy of love in the home was that um, I had to do everything right. I had to, um, you know, I had to keep everyone happy. And that's the way that I saw that modeled. So the way that I saw my parents interact growing up um, taught me a lot about how I should exist in the world. And my dad, for the most part, is is um, kind of black and white, like pretty serious business oriented. And so he was the one that was kind of in control. And my mom was very much the pleaser. And we would become whatever we needed to be, you know, to keep the 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 family dynamic at peace. Mm. But this is something that Natalie has brought up even just today, but there's a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. And so I think I was raised very much to be a peacekeeper, stay out of the way, you know, be quiet, don't spoke don't speak unless you're spoken to, don't make too, don't need too much. Yeah. My dad worked really really hard and the way that I understood that as a child was that um, he was gone all the time. And when he came home, he was like too tired to play. And so in my mind, in my little child's mind, the way that I interpreted that was that I was not lovable enough to deserve Mm. the attention and I hadn't worked hard enough or I hadn't proven myself worthy of time or attention or thought. And that's when I learned to please. That's when I learned to um, become whatever I thought that my parents wanted or my dad wanted. because that's the way that I was trying to earn love as a little kid. And again, I do want to say, like, our parents do the best that they can with the tools that they have. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times our attachment style comes from the way that we interpret the things that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't that I wasn't, you know, loved or cared for. It was that I wasn't loved or cared for in the way that I thought I should be at that, at that time. And so I interpreted it as if I wasn't enough and I had to work hard enough to please and that behavior learned at such a little tiny five-year-old age has kind of determined like the trajectory of my entire life mm-hmm. until we get in, you know until I'm sitting in Virginia's yeah. office trying to understand how did I get here was what's going on performance yes mm. it's just performance yeah, yeah. Um, you just have when there's deficiencies there's or there, there there's lack. Mm. or there's overabundance of something, there's this whole thing, that this need to perform. But the important part is your growing understanding of that dynamic mm-hmm. and how it shaped you. Absolutely. And you have to learn to listen. Yes. You have to learn to listen to yourself. You have to learn to listen to what they meant by what they said and what they did. And I want you to talk a, a little bit about that because that's the pilgrimage you and I really had to embark on. And listening is very, 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 very difficult. And mm-hmm. I don't know people, I don't know too many people. I don't think I, I know very little, very few people that do it well. Yeah. Because we listen with our hearts and we have to hear with our bodies. And we have to learn how to read all these things and process those things mm-hmm. and not get dereg- become deregulated. Mm-hmm. So think about how, speak about for a moment, how in this pilgrimage and even from transitioning from home into college, how you did that, how you, well, cancer forced you to do that. Right. We talked about that. This is, everything stops. 
but talk about how that's changed you and how it's changed your relationship with yourself and with your parents. I think a, a big thing about listening is you have to let go, or at least f- for me, I had to let go of the sense of entitlement because I felt entitled to be heard, but I I didn't have the mindset like that. My parents had the, the right to be heard as well. You know, I wanted to be right. I wanted to, um, you know, go do my own thing. Um, I wanted to prove everybody wrong about, about me. And um, I didn't start to heal until I started to see my family system and my parents as human beings who did the best that they could and have their own love style. Mm. And when I started to look into that and I started to, to become aware of my own pain and the reasons for my behavior, that was, when it, that was when I was able to show compassion, understanding, and to listen to the stories of my parents and forgiving myself and forgiving them because the way that we love affects the entire system. So I think when we sat in the office together, I didn't realize how significant it was that I had learned this attachment from what I saw, but I also had the potential to like change the way that the whole family mm-hmm. um, loved and and listened to each other. You helped them embark on this pilgrimage. You helped them embark on the pilgrimage of these deeper levels of understanding of why you do what you do mm-hmm. and why they do what they do. And they felt compelled to join you in this. Yeah. And you learned, I love today's theme is, so that's why I do what I do. You learned that basically confused people raise confused children. Yeah. Pleasers raise pleasers. Mm-hmm. Avoiders raise avoiders. Chaotic families continue to promote and advance chaotic families. Mm-hmm. It's not because there's character deficits there, right? Right. It's because there's these attachment styles. There's the, there's the reality of how we've attached and how these systems keep repeating themselves. And we must, to stop the madness or to stop the pain or to stop the confusion, mm-hmm. chaos, and dis-ease, whatever place people find themselves in it becomes imperative not to look outside of yourself but to look within yourself absolutely and it becomes compelling because to others because when I see you exercise liberty we talked about that at the last episode liberty is about reconciling the conversation between your mind your heart your will your conscience so that you can live free right? Then it's not about being regulated by all these external things. In this case, the approval of your mom, your dad, or all these other department heads in college and all these things. Yeah. Right? That was exhausted you to the point. And then your husband, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. The way that that whole thing tied into getting into a marriage that was extremely toxic um, and even abusive at times, because I was in this mindset it's my job to please. I love and affection and approval is something that I have to work really hard to earn and even harder to maintain. And that was the pattern that I've and that I've lived my entire life. Wow. You know, from the time that I was a little kid, I that's the way that I understood the world. That's the way I saw it in my family system. So, I've spent my entire life 
well, the answer to the question, how did I get here for me is because I spent my entire life hustling and pleasing and trying and striving and anxious and stressed out, always trying to become enough for somebody to love me and accept me. And so even when we came to the end of um, my cancer journey in the beginning of mid-2020, mid I had been cured of cancer and it was amazing and it was a miracle. But soon after that, I had a complete mental breakdown because I was still existing in this mindset of I have to maintain this. I had convinced myself that I had earned this miracle of health. I had convinced myself that, you know, that it still rested on me to maintain my health or to prove to God and the universe and to everyone that I deserve to be healed. And that pressure wasn't new. I felt that pressure at a, a, like from the age of five to earn everything and to deserve everything. Um, and it wasn't until I'm now 30 years old and finally understanding that I got here where I am, you know, with cancer three times and mental breakdown and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, divorced and sick and stressed out and anxious. I got there because of an unhealthy love style and attachment style and a conflict within myself because I, I was not able to believe that I was like lovable or enough unless I hustled, 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 please, please, please. And that's a lot of noise. Yeah. Just yeah. a lot of noise. That's a lot of wasted energy. If yeah. you start looking at healing as, as accessing this energy, right, from these quantum fields that I always describe as light or darkness, right. good or bad. Lawful, unlawful. Yeah, things mm -hmm. that are lawful or unlawful or good energy, bad energy, or angels and demons. Mm -hmm. And however you want to describe it as, it impacts what the soul ha the resources that the soul has to process and it's going to inhibit all kinds of functions in the most practical of ways mm -hmm. that are going to create an atmosphere for the brain to say i got this i've got a solution for this and hence i love what dr hammer says and you and i were talking about this at break is that these states of disease are the our nature's perfect solution to an unresolved emotional conflict. Yeah, it's amazing. So when we negotiate and neglect, right, these conversations in the spiritual realm, when we neglect it in our soul, it's going to manifest in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I love that you, I just appreciate, let me say this, the work you've put in, because this is very hard work. This isn't about reading and saying, oh, I get this, I need to stop that. No, you don't. You will continue to do the very thing you think you want to stop because you don't understand the root cause unless you understand the root cause of those behavior systems. And those stories don't just begin at home. They right. begin in the home of the home of our parents, parents, parents. And I beat that point to the ground so much because both disease, various states of disease, various states of autoimmune disease too, and various deregulated family relationships literally drive people to medicate. Right. Any number of ways. And it's tragic, and it doesn't have to be that way. If they can intentionally step into this place of rest, which it takes courage, it takes faith, mm -hmm. it takes commitment. 
Yeah. It takes dedication, right? Vulnerability. Yeah. Vulnerability. And it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Yeah. And when we talk about rest as relational, emotional, spiritual truth, when uh, we when we decide to take the hard road of resolving the conflict and being fully aligned, then it forces us, it forces us to admit the lies that we've told ourselves. Yes. It forces us to listen to other people when we would rather have a sense of entitlement and, and not listen or understand. And it is a lot of really hard work, but there's the beautiful paradox about it um, that I think you and I have wrestled through a lot and talked through a lot. Um, is that there's like a sense of surrender. That's the, that's the rest part. It is work, but you also kind of rest into the process of realizing that you don't have to strive so hard and be anxious and stress yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what has been so healing for me, especially given all the things that I've described as far as my, my natural anxiety with striving. It's been really, really beautiful to take my time with the process and realize it's not going to happen tonight or tomorrow or the day after, but some, it's a road that I have to walk. Sometimes we get, you know, like miracles where everything snaps, and I've experienced that too, but sometimes it's a road that you walk. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes back to what we said in the last podcast. If we do not reconcile the conflict within ourselves, we will never live free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing is the process to freedom. By the way, those of you who work with me closely know that that's one of the easiest ways I have, one of the easiest tools I have to give people, and I'd like to give it to our listening audience, and perhaps it's helpful, is when we identify these the internal function of these things. For example, feelings are the internal function of the soul emotions are the consequence of them the freedom we all want is not obtainable if we do not reconcile the conflict within ourselves Mm -hmm. because freedom requires liberty so this internal external conversation i'm going to do a whole podcast on that becomes really important and reconciling something as simple as understanding why we do the things we do so the family that we be, the family systems that we begin we began discussing a little bit are important because it that's where we got our identity from is our mom and dad and our ancestors but it's wonderful when in the process of reconciling those relationships right that you keep bringing it back to the internal it's not about what they did it's mm-hmm. about how did i process what they did right and why did i process it that way and then keep bringing it back to what about me does this what about me does that not they did this they do that they still do this that's not the point yeah we're missing the point another thing that came to mind when you were just giving that narrative is that i've said from day one healing is about freedom we do not chase the cure to heal to heal you must understand the function of liberty, the function that liberty has in the course of healing, because there is no cure. We all have an appointment with destiny. The question is, how are we gonna get there? And what? how much freedom do we live with from here to there? 
-hmm. That's the question. That needs to be the goal. So it's just great. I look forward to now that we've discussed the family systems a little bit and how you what you learned about yourself in that Mm -hmm. to transition and talk about how that impacted your marriage. Yeah. So in the next episode, we'll be talking about that. Your family has played an instrumental role in your healing. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, that's, an, that's another thing is um, you talk about cancer being a map to heal all mm-hmm. of the things. And so as much as it's been an awful experience to walk through illness like this, it, there's always something to say thank you for. And yes. um, so I'm really grateful for the way it's brought my family together and healed not just my relationship to my family, but all of the relationships together. Uh, it's been really, really beautiful. A bonding yeah. experience. Yeah. That's awesome. The takeaway for today, I think, is to learn to listen. And listening is about asking questions. And to do so, I think, effectively, it's important to ask the hard questions, ask ourselves the hard questions about ourselves and how we respond to things around us. We came into this world alone and we're gonna be leaving alone. Mm -hmm. And there's something beautiful in this pilgrimage through time And I think we find the beauty and the pilgrimage through time as we willingly and intentionally and deliberately step into these places of rest where we reconcile these conflicts that we have within ourselves. Because there's beautiful stories in the process, not just about us, but about our moms, our dads, our siblings, our ancestors, and all these adventures we embark on as we go through time. And so that's the best part of my job. And I've loved um, I, I've loved going through it with you, Jane. Me too. Me too. You it's made been... it fun. We've had a few moments. <laughs> we'll talk about those at the next episode. <laughs> yeah. So. Awesome. Well, thank you both. Mm-hmm. I'm excited uh, for the next episode as well. I just want to leave everyone with those resources again. Um, just as a reminder, the How We Love Online quiz, in case you haven't gotten to that yet. Don't know how you wouldn't have gotten to it yet. <laughs> um, but it is still there at howwelove.com. Um, that's with two W's. The book by Mylan and Kay Yurkovich is on virginiadixon.com under resources. And for updates about rest and this podcast, as well as rest events, please feel free to visit the website as well as our Instagram, uh, which is at the place of rest. And of course, for Jane's story, feel free to follow her on Instagram at underscore nightbird with an E and check out her blog on her bio. So thank you so much and looking forward to, uh, well, you tuning in again for our next episode. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.